Rock Rising is an artist-focused, nonprofit organization. We rely on listeners like you to keep going. If you want to find out how you can support a show, an artist, or give to our 2021 organizational costs, please go to rockrising.org donate. Thanks for listening. First of all, thank you for being here. Whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you do, uh, we appreciate the time that you take to listen. We're going in with another special episode. We got a special guest. Um, I'm going to let them say their name because I love hearing people introduce themselves. So I'm now speaking to you, my very our very special guest. Could you say um, both your name and then what you do um, when you feel led? But I'm going to in- intro you with a drum roll. My name is Timothy Hutto. I am a artist, uh, photographer, uh, veteran, and rebel living and making art in New York City. Ooh, I thought you said we we shouldn't get too spicy on this episode. What do you mean by rebel? Um. Oh, so I just um, I kind of have a problem with with rules, and it's mostly like um. Mostly because, like, um, I believe in freedom, you know, mm. and that, um, you know, we really shouldn't be telling each other what and how to live our lives. Do you think we should be telling each other anything? Yes. Yes. I think communication is a huge part of, um, of you know, being free and being a, being a rebel, you know? Yeah. Okay. So you're from... Are you from New York or are you just living here right now? Uh, I've been in New York for five years now. Um, you know, uh, the, the truncated version is um, uh, born in Florida, raised in a military family, um, joined the military, spent some time in crazy parts of the world, got injured. So I, I decided to go to art school, went to a great school and then moved to New York City to chase the dream. Whoa, that's wild. Okay, so did you, were you engaged with art, like, um, throughout your childhood or in your time in the service? Uh, all of the above. Like, um, you know, like, um, I always enjoy the arts as a child and in my formative years. Um, did, uh, you know, graffiti writing and vandalism when I was a teenager, riding a skateboard, and then, um, Connected to the places that the military had taken me in my life through, like, the humanities and the arts. Hmm. Wow. Um, where were you, if you don't mind me asking, where were you first, like, based and in, in what you do with your time? I spent most of my time on the eastern seaboard. Um, I trained as a enlisted naval aviator, a.k.a. Uh, a naval air crewman. Um, I flew on the P-3 Orion airframe, which is a giant patrol aircraft. And then um, spent, uh, I spent my last few years of my career in the Middle East in a small island nation called Bahrain. Hmm. Hmm. D- um, did you, during your time in the service, did you make art? 
Yes, but only, um, you know, only like photographs to to take the place of memories. You know what I mean? Right, right. Uh, that that makes me curious. What's your first uh, contact with art? How did you first kind of find yourself expressing yourself? Um, the earliest memory I have of of the arts is being in kindergarten and doing a like a fire safety like contest like drawing where I you know happenstance drew a oh yeah drew drew like a like a stove with a big x over it yeah 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 it was like a classroom challenge yeah yeah like uh you know something to keep our hands busy as as young children yeah also i mean instilling good lessons that's i wish homework was kind of more like that throughout all of schooling um but okay so you you were in kindergarten you started drawing um how did that where did that progress to what'd you do next um, well, it won like an award for the classroom, but I never claimed the award. Were you too shy? Uh, yeah, shy. And like, um, honestly, I don't think I heard the teacher say my name. <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, that's, that's kind of like stereotypical as a, an artist to just kind of be like, uh, eh, whatever. Yeah. Oh, I guess I'm, yeah. Head in the clouds. Head in the clouds. Kind of a dreamer, you know? Okay, so how did you, um, I mean, just kind of to toggle kind of back and forth here, were you head in the clouds dreamer in, in the military, or was that kind of like a different role to play? A uh, different role to play, but like definitely like um, like try to be Pollyanna about, Pollyanna about things. Um, the thing with the military is that it was, um, it's a very easy job as long as like you just do what you're told. But uh, the thing about it was it's mm -hmm. so easy to be a rebel in such a um, in such a, you know, such a regimented situation. Interesting. Did you. Yeah. Uh, OK, so I've also thought about my in my life, if I if I was not as engaged or interested in the arts, I can see things like um, service just in general being very attractive, like a fireman. I, I could see myself. I would also consider serving um be, just because i think that it's um it it, it d does seem like an experience where you can take away some positive aspects you're doing something for maybe yes for yourself but also for other people there's a strong sense of camaraderie i don't want to try to like guess what it feels like to be in the military all i'm saying is i could see myself doing it um and so i'm very very curious what um you know if the military kind of holds um, room or space for personality. Space for personality is an interesting idea. There's definitely like, um, there is room for you to be your own person in that sort of situation. However, like, um, you know, there's only, there's only so much tolerance in like the gears of such a, um, vast enterprise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So then kind of even talking about acceptance is a kind of a big leap if if we're talking about tolerance being kind of a tiny window. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Okay. So from the military, if I'm not uh, mistaken, you, you, you then came to the city? From the military, I went to, um, I abruptly finished my service and then um, 
immediately enrolled at the Savannah College of Art and Design. Sad. Um, yeah, yeah. Bees represent. That's awesome, dude. It is um, a monolithic institution in the arts. And, yeah. you know, I attribute much of my success to the lessons I've learned there. So speaking of your success, um, I'm now speaking to the listeners. Um, whenever I'm going to work or doing anything in the city, uh, there's not a day that goes by on my commute where I don't see Tim's work, which I think is like pretty, it's like, if you're an, an artist, that's an aspiration that every artist would have is that if you are living your life, you know, that some point along the way you engage with their work because what is your art if it's not being used or, you know, if it's not engaging to the community. So I kind of want to ask you, A, what, what that feels like and B, kind of like, did you see yourself getting there? Was that, was this a pl the plan all along or was this kind of a natural um, progression of things co coming out of a, a kind of a drastically different context? No, this was not the plan at all to be um, to be getting getting up in the streets like, um, it's wild. you know, yeah, like the the plan was to move to New York City, work for famous photographers, take pictures of expensive things and, you know, live uh, live that that sort of dream. And, um, you know, uh, COVID-19 happened and like everybody's world changed and um, mine yes. especially. And um, I was listening to a talk by uh, a couple consultants, uh, Chayman Reed, and they were talking about how, as an artist, you have to think about the gallery versus the coffee shop. And, um, you know, is it money or is it views or like, how do you want to be uh, seen and what people do you want to see, see you? And I was like, hmm. well, I don't want either of those things. I want everybody to see my stuff all the time like um you know so yeah. i was like i'll just take it to the streets because um in new york city people are on the streets you can do that yeah and you know what i kind of i don't want to force this kind of full circle thing but it, it just kind of reminds me of what we were talking about earlier when we were talking about communication this seems like a much more communicative a, a communal approach to making art and then also like, you know, the execution of it. Um, what, what I, I guess what, I, what I'm saying is instead of just thinking about, do you want your art to be hanging in a coffee shop or like a cool restaurant, or do you want it to be in a gallery instead of having kind of this, this like um, traditional standard uh, two option approach, um, whatever your field is, it's kind of like breaking those rules not being told what to do, but in fact, just like saying something and then sharing it with other people. It's just actual open communication. Um, and I wanted to ask you, how much of your work do you think is political? And how much of your work are you like, are you trying to provide aesthetic to your community? Are you trying to say something? Are you trying to you know, just put beauty in places where you see canvas? Like what's, I guess, what's your thesis? What's your mo motto as a, um, as an artist? I mean, speaking specifically to the stuff on the streets, um, it was to, it was to, it's to one, like first and foremost, 
to get seen and be recognized stylistically. But mm. also it is, um, it's there to provoke thought. It's there to, um, it's there to beautify otherwise um, tabula rasa spaces. It's there to, um, it's there to sort of take back a bit of that public space that has been commandeered by people trying to sell us something. Right. So in your art, you're not trying to sell anything. I mean, I'm not selling anything, but, uh, you know, people are buying it. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay. I'm, I'm really down with that. What are you drawn to in terms of style? You say that you want to be known or recognized stylistically. Um, because I guess, like you said earlier, but pre-COVID, you were taking photographs, photographs of expensive things. So how, kind of how has that shifted since we're all like encouraged to basically go out less, see each other less? Yeah, so um, I guess how it's shifted is um, things are, the objects that I'm using are much less expensive. They're more mass-produced, more commonplace. And, um, you know, being recognized stylistically, I've always had this idea that as a... Um, if you're a graffiti writer or if you're getting up in the streets, like the most important thing to you is the name. Like, you know, there are so many famous names on the streets of New York City, Zexer RIP, um, Euler RIP, like all these people that have these graffiti legacies in the city that are known for their name. And I, again, like, I don't like the idea of the box that that gets that you get put in with something like that. So I was like deliberately going out of my way not to attach my name to the work that I'm putting up. Interesting. I like that. Um, and that's also kind of coming back to the idea of leaving space within your work. So not only are you filling this otherwise, as you said, tab tabula rasa space, like empty blank canvas space, but, um, but you're 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 providing aesthetic, you're providing design and, and style while also allowing other people to kind of create their own. I'm looking yeah, at and, your, oh, oh go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say, yeah, and like um, you know, the 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 posters themselves are oftentimes like sometimes they get weathered, sometimes they get, you know, people go over them, sometimes people put their own comment or twist on them. Like it really is um you know, because it's in a public space, it has this sort of living, growing characteristic to it that I really, uh, I love really that you said on. that. I really love that you said that because I'm, I'm, I'm looking at your website and your work, just like the work that I see out in the streets, um, it, it looks very approachable. It's things that trigger specific memories from my childhood. Some of that is the colors you use. Some of that is like the actual pieces that you're using um, in, in the, in the photograph or, or whatever it is, I don't, I don't really actually know how you do these things, but I guess what I'm saying is it looks like, it's almost like, oh, I could do that. But if I tried, it would look really, really bad. So back to this idea of like growing and constantly morphing and like being able to kind of keep up with our life. How, how, first of all, what's your process and how do you take very accessible um, specific pieces that people can recognize, but, but kind of make them in a very, uh, just other, it's just an other type of 
it takes you to a place when you're, you're not just looking at a picture of like a dinosaur, you know, it's, or, or a Lego. You're like, it's a whole different, it's a whole feeling. So mm-hmm. like, what's your process? How do you get there? So, um, you know, it all starts with, uh, you know, really the project varies most of the time. Sometimes it starts with the idea and the sketch. A lot of times it starts with the objects itself, like, uh, speaking specifically to the, uh, like the dinosaurs or the Legos, like, um, you know, being in the grocery store and picking up a inexpensive toy, um, you know, we can all, we all touch on that. We've all had that, that tactile moment in our lives. Right. right. And then taking that and using it as the raw material to create a statement or something that's just visually arresting is, uh, is what I strive for. And, um, you know, I take, I get this, I get this object that for lack of a more eloquent way of saying it speaks to me. And then I, you know, I, uh, you know, I, I think about it for a while. I do a few sketches, but then, um, you know, the muse speaks to me and I, you know, I get a rattle can and transform it into something greater than this dime store purchase. And then, um, I give it the celebrity treatment that I would give to a Baccarat glass or a, you know, Mm. a Goyard leather purse, luxury Mm. goods again. And then, um, you know, and then like, it is its own thing elevated to something that it, something greater. And then, wow. uh, and then, you know, like, uh, I do some, I do a bunch of editing make sure that things are clean. And then, uh, I send it off to a commercial printer after a little design work and a bucket of paste and midnight mission, you know? It's so funny because I feel like that's what good marketing is. Like that's what all, commercials are striving to do and you're doing it pretty flawlessly yet you're not selling anything yeah yeah like um am i am i crazy for not selling anything i don't know i because again it's like going back to not telling people what to do it's almost asking them to fill that for themselves but the fact that you can provide such a personal you can evoke such a personal experience with your work and yet you made it from such a personal place. Like it's just, I mean, it's literally what artists strive to do. Have you had any, um, have you had any massive failures of like when you first started playing with these things that seem so accessible and you were like, wow, this idea really feels like it's come together and you try the thing and you're like, wow, this looks like doo-doo or something. Oh yeah. Oh, (laughs) without a doubt. Like, um, there are tons of there's I would say there are hundreds of of failed ideas in the sketchbook. And then there are dozens that made it to the set that were like, this is not what I want it to be. And like they have to they go to the they go to the rubbish bin. Do you find like over your process? Because I, I guess the idea right of failure is not new to anyone who is engaged with the arts. But have you fi- have you found that the frequency or or the the amount of occurrences of those failures do you do you feel like because of the time you've put in and your process and things that you're finding work do you feel like those moments happen less or do you feel like you just get better at navigating when those moments occur i think the moments happen 
more frequently, but I am less hard on myself as a as a as a as an artist. Wow. Um, yeah, like um, like at a certain point, like working professionally, like I gave myself permission to do a terrible first draft. And then like I gave myself permission that like every piece that I make doesn't have to win an award. But some of them right. can. So right. like as long as it's flowing, as long as I'm as long as I keep creating, like those bright moments will happen. Right. Mm hmm. Because you don't because it's almost like you don't want to be in a place of comfort or of something that's always that, that that's familiar, super familiar that, you know, will always work. Cause if you're trying to make things that are growing and changing and breathing that inevitably comes with like failure or growing pains. Um, and, and I think that, you know, just like with physical exercise, your body has to be in a place of vulnerability. You literally have to break down you know, muscle in order to grow more. And I think that, you know, it, it's the same with an artist. So if we can find ways to kind of deal with that recovery, because, the, you know, the more we get into it, the more we push ourselves, um, the more challenges will present themselves. Obviously, the more failure that will happen, because like, I guess, for instance, like I started before the pandemic, I was getting super into jujitsu. And even though when I started and I had no idea what I was doing, it felt like I wasn't failing. I was just growing. I was just learning. And then when I got to a point where I was like, there are a few techniques that I know, I got maybe a promotion. And so now it's like, oh, the failures are coming because as the scope is broadening, I'm more and more aware of the thing, of the possibilities or of the areas in which I am failing or that I'm weak. It's like the bigger the bonfire you build, the more you realize that there's just more darkness on the other side. Ah, oh, that's a beautiful way of putting it. Oh, well, thanks. Um, what do you, what do you really love to do? Like, do you like to get your hands on things and make something and then like, or do you just like to go out and find things that are already kind of there for you and then and then taking the picture i love i love the mass-produced object but putting it changing it like putting my own spin on it and then putting it into a place where it it shines is uh is is my favorite part there's there's nothing i enjoy more in the process than when um the objects are arranged on the set and like i'm a about to hit the shutter release like that is like that's like the mm. zen moment i could live in for the rest of my life if possible <laughs> yeah okay so like what is uh what is a, a day of uh, like a shoot what does a shoot look like um for you so uh shoot day if um if i'm not painting props is um dragging out um tons of lighting equipment and grip equipment um by tons i mean like two stands and two lights and uh putting together <laughs> putting together some makeshift boards in uh in my studio slash apartment kitchen um you know kind of sweating it out in a tight space right um for you know for 
five hours probably, and then uh, leaving with um, leaving with uh, you know, you know, five or six you know sort of different setups, and hopefully five or six finished photos at the at the end of the day. Oh, that's awesome! That's really really great. I love that. It, it almost feels like uh, um, not to like not to d- denigrate or like downgrade the quality of what you're doing, but it almost feels like a garage band, like gritty, like it's live. It's like happening. Like you were saying, it's sweating it out. Um, it, it feels very intimate, but what's cool about looking at your art is it's very actually expansive and it, and it feels like it could be anywhere. And, and each of them look like kind of different places, different landscapes, different um, like literal um, tastes almost. Yeah, like I um very visceral. Yeah, like I mean, I love I love the DIY. Like I love doing I love people that are doing it themselves. Mm-hmm. And like I love the fact that um that I am doing it myself, but I'm able to do it to um a level to like a a quality that satisfies me intrinsically. This is a this is great that you brought that up because I wanted to ask, um, do you have like, I know it's hard because of COVID, but do you have a community of artists, visual artists, or even friends that you kind of show your work to? Or do you just sit on these things and just really think about it and, and me- or meditate and then just kind of release them out, out there into the world? Or, or what's going on with that? How, how do you get to the, play, the point? with a piece where you're ready to show it to the world? Um, so like, I, I do have a community of creative people that I bounce stuff off of, but for the most part, like I just follow my gut and then the Mm -hmm. streets will tell me whether it's working or it's not. What does that look like? Do people rip your stuff off the wall? Oh man. So there is a piece that is pretty aggressive in my opinion called, but it's called mystery. It's got, uh, it's got a figure, on some on a color field and like a big kitchen knife and like you know it's supposed to you're supposed to think of like a murder mystery mm-hmm. but people physically attack it like what? and scratch it scratch it out with their keys like anytime i put it up it does not have a long lifespan that's weird and, and they, like as opposed to not doing it to other things other things have a different effect on people and you know like um you know i have i have certain pieces that have been running for since i started doing this about a year ago like and they're still Mm. running and they still look great and then i have other ones that go up and then like a day later a week later they're just they're just you know people have changed them to make it uh more palatable for themselves oh interesting so it's not even that they hate it. It's almost just like it doesn't work for them. And so they're, they're modifying it. I mean, that's how I like to look at it, you know, like um, once, you know, once I put a piece up in public, like it's really no longer, it doesn't belong to me anymore. Like, you know, it is, um, it's its own thing. And like, sometimes it gets painted over. Sometimes it gets defaced. Sometimes it uh, stays for, for a long time. Still, still there to this day. There's a piece called Politics, which I see a lot, and I don't think um, that I, I don't think I, I see it defaced a whole bunch, honestly. 
right? That was the very first piece I put up. Like that was the That's wild. That was the um the first thing that I that that started running. It was like this is this is speaking to the moment um yeah. of like you know, we're in this very very trying period in American history and mm-hmm. um like I had something to say and like you know, I wanted the streets to hear it. I think they did. I definitely did. I was like, "Wow, dinosaurs!" I was like, "Okay, all right, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta zoom out, people. Let's get, let's get in this together." Yeah, it kind of got me riled up, but not yep. for the political system, for the people. What's your um? So that if that's your the kind of the first one, what's been your most recent one? Um, the most, my most recent ones, they just went up. The first one went up, uh, yesterday. Well, over the past, over the past few days. Um, and they're, uh, they're really about the, uh, the violence that happens on the streets in New York city when the weather starts to get hot. You know, there's uh, a mm. piece about gun violence. There's a piece about, um, about, you know, these, these fires that we've been having. And there's a piece about like how people have just been having these crazy um acts of violence like 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 outbursts like it's like it's like it's okay and like it ain't okay no what what why do you think that is happening like why do you think i guess people cuz it's easy to pin it on things that are happening in our country but i feel like when people are real like these past moments of public outburst have been responses to moments of violence. So as someone who's served in the military, I guess my question for you is why do you think that just not us as New Yorkers, but I guess the question is specific to New Yorkers. Why are we responding to violence or, or threat or whatever it is? Why, why are we behaving in violence when that's literally what we're kind of surrounded by and trying to escape. Cause I don't think it's as easy as you do what you know. I think that it's almost like if, if we see the, the effects of violence so much and we, and we don't like it, then why do we do it? Cause to me, New York also kind of feels like um, the, the motherland for people that are looking for acceptance and looking for safety, which is kind of weird. Cause it's a big city, like you said, that's full of violence. I mean, it is um, it is the first stop for the American dream, in my opinion. Like, I live in Queens, man, and like diversity is. I mean, Queens is diversity. Like, Wildly. I walk down my street, I walk down my street, and I hear six different languages, and like, I smile from ear to ear. Like, I love it so much. But then, like, um, you know, you click on the Citizen app or you watch the evening news, and like wild stuff pops off every day in the city. And I wonder if it is um if it is the pressure that New York City itself puts on you to be, you know, to be a success. And like the fact mm-hmm. that in the city, in my experience, like New York City doesn't need you here. New York City kind of doesn't want you here and New York City won't miss you when you leave here. No. So like the idea that like 
there's always another level of success. And then that pressure that the, you know, the claustrophobia and chaos of, of the urban environment combined with a little extra, a few extra degrees is turning up the temperature, you know, like, um, yep. it's, is it just because it's a pressure cooker? Well, you know, I, I would agree. I think that that's, I think you're on to something. I mean, I think there's also, unfortunately, um, with with human instinct, I think that there's a lot of pressure, not just for success, but there's pressure for, or maybe it's better to say there's a price to pay for the first stop on the American dream, which I think comes with a lot of tolerance. I don't really like the word tolerance, but I think that in order to have this like New York City is actually kind of like a melting pot there it's wildly diverse yes queens but also just this whole like um this whole city is very diverse and i think there's a price to pay to live this closely together with this wildly um vastly different like ways of living and in ways of believing and ways of approaching the world so we're not only supposed to be successful but we're supposed to be harmonious and also supposed to be tolerant and accepting of everyone in their different different lives and different personhoods you know i mean you said it like melting pot is is so accurate but like you know you got to think about that chemical change that happens when you apply heat to to a substance to change it from solid to liquid like there's so much energy there and mm -hmm. same thing for the city like that energy doesn't always go towards these positive things that, that we want them to. Right. Right. Um, so I guess like how much of your, how do you manage your energy? Cause you seem to, to have a good scope on the city. Cause I, I guess like any artist, if they're, if they're saying something that's poignant, if they're saying something that's relevant, then they, they have some sort of a scope. Um, and so how do you manage your energy living in this city that, that does have the characteristics of doesn't care that you're here, wouldn't miss you if you're gone, doesn't actually even really want you here? How do you not just um, live but kind of thrive in, in, in this type of pressure? Oh, man, like the, what, what, pressure, what pressure is there? Like it doesn't like... It doesn't matter if I'm here or if I'm don't. That means I so you am, don't feel pressure. I know, like I feel I feel free. Like like mm. you know, like if I come or if I go, like New York City isn't really going to notice. Like man, like that means like either a I have to be so loud that the the city notices, or b like I'm free to do whatever I want. You know, like to an extent. Yeah. No, I feel you. I feel you. Yeah. But do you do you have any internal pressure? Do you keep anything locked away for yourself? Like, where do you get your drive? Um, oh man, like I don't know what the wellspring is, honestly. Like, um, I have people around me that love and support me unconditionally, and that is that's a huge thing. Um, that's huge. Uh, yeah, like, um, and like, um, you know, hearing and seeing like. When I when I first started putting up the work, like um, I was out regulating a spot or something, and like someone stopped, paused, looked at what I had put up, 
and then continued on with our day. And I was like, it like, like it was a light bulb moment. It was like, that's what you're doing. Like you are, you're reaching somebody for, you know, for a fraction of their day and like causing them to pause and contemplate. It was like, that's so powerful. And mm. like, um, you know, I got a little, I got a little taste of that. And I was like, Let's see how far we can push this. Let's see how far we can go with this. Right. And and I love that it's coming from a place that isn't pressure. The you know, the pressure's off. You're kind of in that that flow state, but it it just yeah, it's a, just a very interesting way to approach the work because I've had a lot of I've had a lot of guests on this show that are very interested, sorry, that are very interesting and they're creating interesting things. And but they very much use the pressure that they feel from the city. They very much use the pressure that they put on themselves, and so it's just a very refreshing way to hear someone going about their work. Because um, there's a question that I'll probably ask, or or uh, something like the question um, I'll ask at the end of the episode. But like when people ask me what my dream, I used to act or whatever, and they're like, "What's your dream role?" And I was like, I don't, you know, I don't necessarily have when my dream role is to just, you know, make connections with people, to to be in the rooms with people that are also wanting to be in that room and to, and to like make something bigger than ourselves. And um, it's it's just really cool to see someone doing that in a city that is very pressurized and you're doing it from a place of like, nah, it's chill. Like, I'm free, baby. Like, just chilling. That's so cool. And I also think it comes through in your work. I mean, I, um, you know, there was a very significant part of my life where um, my day to day was um, stressful and it was serious and like the consequences were grave. And um, these days, like, yeah man, I'm just like, I'm, I'm making art and I'm reaching out and touching the public. And like, like the consequences are a lot less so for me these days. So like, I'm just going to roll with it. Yeah. Okay. So I think it's really cool that you can do that in this city. Cause you know, like I said, a lot of guests, previous guests on the show are not in the same situation. Maybe people like even listening right now, Maybe like, I wish I could kind of get a taste of what that feels like. This may be a reach, but do you have any advice for maybe even a young artist who's just trying to figure out how to do the thing? Like, how, how can you ap- approach this from a pressure-free um, perspective? So um, in my artistic practice, like when I was early on, when I first started doing doing creative work, like I had all of this, um, I had all of this energy that I was pouring into doing, um, you know, if the assignment was to do one sketch, like I would do 10 sketches. And like, if like (laughs) the, if the finished product was supposed to be one framed matted piece, like I would show up with two. And um, I realized that like all of this, pressure that I was putting on myself was, was self-inflicted. Like, you know, I was, I was 
tearing myself apart just because like I could. And then um, Hmm. I realized that like I didn't have to do that. I still have to do the work and I still have to put in the hours, but like I don't have to, I don't have to lose sleep and I don't have to destroy myself for the sake of my art. I think that there has been a lie that's been fed and then eaten and it's continually gets actually a lot of artists diet daily diet um that you that you have to be living in kind of like a state of agony whether it's from external circumstances or it's self-inflicted but you have to be living in sadness things have to be kind of broken in order for you to make good art and you're standing here saying or sitting on this call saying that that's not true and um you know i i would agree with you and um i'm very interested to see what type of a world we would be living in you know even if it's just the artistic world the artistic community what type of community we would have if more people approached it that way i know we'd have a better city <laughs> That's for sure. I think that you don't have to you don't have to suffer to be creative. Like but like back to your analogy about speaking about, you know, phys- physical physical tasks and exercise like right. you know, like if you ride a bike over a bridge for the first time, like it's going to be painful. Like you're going to be out of breath. You know, but the more you do it, the faster you go over that bridge, but you're still out of breath, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's almost like you you don't need to judge being out of breath. Being out of breath is being out of breath. It's just a state of being, right? Just like um, art making. Is there any medium... um, Is there any medium that you wouldn't do or that you haven't done that you're very interested to get into? So I am not an illustrator. I am not a painter. Like I don't uh, do paint sometimes. I mean, I, I have, uh, I have painted a, you know, in my sketchbook and things like that, but like you've painted the streets a little, I mean, fair play. Like I have, I have like, I have, I have, but it, uh, (laughs) it's, uh, it's not my strong suit. You know? Okay. Gotcha. So illustrating or, or, or painting? Yeah. Like, um, do you want to try or do you, are you set? Um, I'm good. I'm good. There are people that, um, that is their passion in life and it is not mine. I can write songs for hours on end, but one thing that I've recently come to accept is like, I'm not going to mix or master. And that's, there are people that do that. And that's not my, that's not a thing that I'm probably going to do ever. And um, I think it comes back to that thing of like energy or just even just having a scope. It's like you can be interested in the thing without then pouring yourself into the thing. Absolutely. Um, and it's yeah. sometimes it's good to focus fire. Like, yeah, you, like you don't have to go into a forest and chop down every tree. No, no. And nor should you like um, there are <laughs> there are experts at these things for a reason. Right, right. What would you say your expertise is? Oh man, like I don't even know anymore. Like uh I would say my my expertise is in color, in light, and in composition. I also mix up a really good ba- batch of uh 
of pace to get uh, to get things to stick and stay colorful on the streets. Oh, okay. I love it. Have you okay, this is kind of a weird question, but in your exploration of light, have you ever gotten into some truly weird places? Like Were as far you, as like physically or as far as like psychologically, like emotionally? I guess like no, more the latter. Yeah, not physically. Because, you know, it's light. You can manipulate it, whatever. But have you gotten to a place like in your own art making where you're like, this is some crazy stuff right here? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, um, you know, taking a step back afterwards and a little bit of perspective. You're like, man, this is sometimes this is weird stuff, you know? Yeah. Like, like I have a I have a series I'm working on right now, like new stuff that is um, kind of about like my experiences during our lockdowns in New York City and COVID-19 in general. And it's um, it's weird, man, <laughs> it's visually and, and like emotionally. Yeah. Is it um, do you do you enjoy releasing work that is like that? Do you enjoy making work that is like that? I do, but it scares me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think what's interesting, I've been having conversations with some friends uh, around the the idea of courage and what it is to be a courageous person. And it actually has nothing to do with like um, not fearing the thing that you're facing. It's like having courage is facing the thing that you have fear for. And so I think that is almost a way to view being courageous in our art in a way that almost takes the pressure off because we're not asking our, of ourselves and we're not asking of each other to not be afraid. We're just asking that we do the thing in, in the face of the fear. Right, right. The, uh, the proverb is what? If you're the only person that knows you're scared, then you're a brave man. Ooh, okay. All right. I love that. Wait, that's a proverb of the Bible? Uh, no, I think it's like, uh, I, I couldn't tell you for sure, but I believe it's just like an Irish drinking proverb or something like that. Mm, okay. This is really, um, kind of off beat here, but it's like, uh, this is kind of also random, but it, this reminded me, did you know that the swastika is actually, I mean, do you know where its origin? I believe it is a, it's a Hindu symbol, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know much beyond like the perversion of it by the the Nazi regime. Oh, well they completely took it and and messed it up. But um I was just I was talking to Julie earlier about how it's um it what it is a it, a Hindu symbol and it means like well-being or mm -hmm. it's actually like a symbol that means something quite quite beautiful and um and it's a it's a shame. You know, it's a shame when people take something and then they try to make you do something right when they're trying to sell you on the thing. So here we go again, full circle. Like you don't got to sell people anything. There's no pressure to buy anything. Right. Right. Absolutely. Like, um, you know, like the the idea that the public space has been turned into just a, a marketplace for our attention to sell us stuff is you know, it's tragic. Like, you know, like. Yeah. And speaking of that, do you think that it's necessary to have an Instagram as an artist? 
I think it is necessary to have an Instagram, but um, I don't use it like I don't use it as this um, as this gallery space mm-hmm. for lack of lack of a, a a better way to put it. Like I put up work that's specifically for Instagram. Like hmm. I share stuff on the streets as my stories just because that's the way you would see it on the street. And then like that's the end of it. Like, OK, you know, social media you, and you do it personally, like you contr- you do your Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, what is takes... your Instagram? Do you want to plug it? Yeah. Yeah. It's at Timmy ache, T I M M Y underscore A C H E. It's like a stomach ache. It's just a little cuter. Timmy ache. Oh, that's, that's kind of cute <laughs> in a cool, just cute way. That's awesome. Uh, it's a little juvenile, but like, Timmy uh, ache. <laughs> not trying to take it, not trying to take life too seriously these yeah. days. I mean, it definitely sticks. Um, Okay, so do you think it's necessary to have a TikTok as an artist? I personally do not have one. Like, I think um, I've aged out of that demographic. So, um, cool. so I don't think it's necessary personally, but like anything you can do to make a name, like I support what you're doing, you know? Right. Um, okay, so I really only have one question you know, left that I, that I wanted to hit and it's kind of a, and then, and then I'll open the floor to you. Maybe we'll play a game and maybe we won't. Um, but, and then, and then I think I'm, we're good, but like, I was just, um, I've really enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed the conversation. I enjoy your work and I wanted to thank you, you know, before we officially end, I wanted to thank you for your time and and everything that we've like gotten into. Just, yeah, this is, this has been wonderful. Yeah, like uh, you're welcome, and like the the feeling is mutual. Like, thank you guys for like giving me another platform to sort of you know talk about what I do and get yeah. it to more people. A hundred percent. Well, this is like okay, not to kind of rabbit trail, but this podcast for me, um, like as an artist, is a very good way for me to practice that almost that that um, space that space that you can enter of non-attachment like it doesn't matter what i'm feeling like or what i'm doing when i come to this podcast and when i'm sitting next to or listening you know i'm plugged into in your case like you're in my ear um with another person who's passionate and good at what they do i walk away from it just it's just it is better it's for me you know and and i hope that it's better for someone else out there so all that to say like you know, my day is better for, for our conversation. So thank you. Um, and I guess this is, this is the question. If you, if I presented to you in any machine where you can get into this machine and go anywhere, do anything, be anything for any length of time, what would that look like? So anywhere, anytime, doing anything. As anything. As anything. Oh, right. okay. So right. I would, I would, I know where I would go. I would go to Paris. I would be in Paris. Um, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Where, what time I would be there would be is, is like, it's, it's, it's kind of killing me. Like, I don't know if I would be there in like the seventies or the eighties, like when, uh, right like the like the famous like street artists were emerging from that from that scene 
Definitely not the uh, 2020, though. No, no, like not... No. Uh, not COVID times. No, man, like things are hard. And then like what I would be is I would be doing the same thing that I'm doing now. Just, you know, different time, different place, different, uh, different, different state, different state, you know? Right. Dude, that's crazy. That's a, that's a really, I like that answer. Um, Cause like you could go as wild as like, I wanted to be, you know, the moon when the earth was, you know, like 50 billion years ago, or I wanted to be the moon when Buzz Aldrin first stepped on it. And I wanted to know what it felt like to finally get massaged or something. I mean, my, my wants and aspirations are just more human than that. Like all that cosmic stuff is uh, terrifying and out of my depth. Um, is that on kind of like a real no joke personal level? Like it's kind of like you're, you're not into it. No, like, I mean, I think, I think space and cosmic exploration is wonderful and pushing the bounds of like the human experience, but I'm happy. I'm happy on earth. Uh, I don't need to know the, the terrors of the vast <laughs> unknown of the blacks of space. I love it. I love it. I love that. I mean, being a, being on earth is great in many ways. Um, yeah. But the vast unknown is it, just that the vast unknown and if you want to know anything else about the vast unknown and not um timothy hutto you should check out neil on youtube neil degrasse tyson blowing a kid's mind when he asks about um when two black holes merge um if you're just interested um and that's to anyone listening not you tim because i know you don't like the cosmic stuff um, yeah, those, those things can eat stars. Like that's it's, <laughs> it's literally like the definition of terrifying. Right. <laughs> it's, it's like, no, thank you. <laughs> I bet in space next to black holes, there are like big cosmic signs that say wrong way, turn around, like head back now. Yeah. Very like Bugs Bunny situation. Like, <laughs> yeah, I bet it gets weird out there. Speaking of light. Um, I mean, it might be cool to capture some of the stuff that's going on. Um, anyway, the floor is open to you, um, and you can say anything, plug anything, uh, do anything you want, and then we can um, we can like stop the recording, but then we can say goodbye as actual humans after we're, we're done recording. Wonderful. I really don't have anything to plug because I'm not selling anything, man. Um, Love it. My, my name is Timothy Hutto. You can see more work at www.timothyhutto.com. That's spelled H-U-T-T-O. And uh, come into the streets near you in New York City and uh, some other places in America someday soon. Beautiful. Thank you so much. And uh, we can't wait to see you again. And um, Tim, you're, you're great. Can't wait to see more of your stuff. Cheers, guys. I appreciate it so much. Bye-bye. Looking for Artists is a Rock Rising podcast. Learn more about us on Instagram at Rock Rising Inc. That's R-O-C-K-R-I-S-I-N-G-I-N-C. Looking for Artists is available anywhere you podcast.